there and a very warm welcome as every Friday to Backos Now. My name is Aurelia Rauch and it is my pleasure to welcome one of my dearest colleagues today, Martina Oetiger. Hi, Martina. Hi, Aurelia. Thank you for having me. It's great to see you. We're going to chat about an interesting topic. We got together today to really look at fintech and look at some evolutions in the industry, some recent developments. I think, you know, some changed habits are maybe a part of this. And um, well, yeah, it was announced to me that we're going to talk about some new kids on the block, which I'm really excited about. So <laughs> do you just want to, I don't know, dive in and give us a big, bit of an intro? Yes, perfect. I will do that. Um, maybe let me start to introduce what the, fin the financial technology or in short fintech uh, is all about. So since the digital revolution, which is also known as the third industrial revolution, mm. this is the shift from analog uh, electronic technology towards the digital electronics. And this has Since this has begun, the fintech industry has evolved explosively. Yeah. And the term financial technology, or in short, fintech, I will use fintech uh, from now on, is broadly understood as the technology used to automate and to also improve the delivery of financial services. So fintech, to be more precise, applies to any innovative way um, of how people transact business or how they perform financial activities such as, you know, money transfer, depositing a check with a smartphone or a smartwatch nowadays even, yeah. raising money to start a business, managing investments and much more. And today, some of the most active areas of fintech innovation include robo-advisors. Uh, they include unbanked or underbanked services, they, they, which are seeking to low-income individuals. Cybersecurity, RecTech. Um, RecTech is to help financial service companies to meet compliance rules, mm. smart contracts, and cryptocurrencies and also insurtech and this is quite interesting and i will i will talk about uh, many if not all of these uh, themes that i just mentioned within this following episode so the fintech industry is also a highly dynamic and innovative industry and new technologies such as you know artificial intelligence machine learning, all these buzzwords, blockchain, yeah. uh, cryptocurrency, they are already or they already have and, and still will um, continue to spur the creation of new fintech services. Mm -hmm. Martina, that's quite a broad range, of course, that fintech encompasses. When we started, I guess we really kind of wrapped it around the idea of an evolution. So. May I ask, in the recent past, I mean, you mentioned crypto, which is relatively new technology. What, what are the changes that you're really seeing in that industry? Yes, that is a very interesting question. And um, I, I read a quite interesting study about this uh, development from EY, the development of fintech services over time. And 
You can see in that study it was uh, taken in 2019, mm -hmm. but still I guess it, 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 the point is clear. Um, the most common used category is money transfer and payments. Mm -hmm. And approximately 75% of consumers use at least one or more uh, services in this category. And this is quite, quite impressive because uh, when you look at, for example, other categories in this report, um, then, then the, the number is not so large. Um, what the study also shows, and I find this particularly noteworthy, is the strong adoption of insurance. Okay. This is in fact uh, also reflected in the performance figures, uh, because now uh, after a 56% quarter over quarter decline in the first quarter of 2020, the funding for insure tech startups leveled off in Q2 and remained also flat now at uh, 2.4 billion dollar and notably insurtech has not gone the way of overall fintech industry mm -hmm. which which yeah continued to decline last quarter but it's also noteworthy that you know also non-financial services often facilitate consumer fintech adoption okay interesting um of course i'm going to ask for an example here <laughs> sure I, i can give you two um one example might be the equipping of cars with black boxes mm -hmm. and this is to provide data for uh, insurance another example is the you know, the counting steps that everybody has on their smartphones, watches yeah. or other gadgets. Of course, yeah. And, um, and, and this is where consumers can gain fitness discounts on their health insurance, for example. Oh, yeah, well. So those are some, some, of, the, yeah, ish, uh, some of the use cases of this InsurTech. And uh, growth, I, I would say growth in, in general now in fintech, is or will be driven by both by increased market penetration for for existing services but also the global spread of less mature uh, propositions currently which are currently maybe not available or only available in a few markets and um, we see it for example uh, yeah here in in insurance um martina i'm sure that this growth well came came a long way right um can It you did. talk yeah <laughs> can you talk a little bit about um i guess the steps of the way or something like that just to give us a better idea of uh, yeah i love to um the digital innovation is is very disrupting as i as i already mentioned mm -hmm. and, and yeah and uh, redefining of course the whole industry and at a very rapid pace and nowadays we think of fintech in terms of you know you said it before in terms of cryptocurrencies yeah in terms of blockchain startups etc and but this these are not the first groundbreaking developments they happened much earlier and they can even be traced back to the late 19th century okay so um for example fintech 1.0 this is about infrastructure okay 
during the period 1866 and 1967, so uh, almost 100 year period, the financial globalization has started. In the beginning, you know, technologies such as very, very old school stuff, like uh, telegraph, railroads, steamships, etc. They enabled the rapid transmission of financial information across the borders for the first time. And, you know, the the time when an an information came from Europe to the US, for example, could have taken weeks. And um, the first transatlantic cable was built in 1866, uh, and then the Fed wire in 18 uh, sorry in 1918 in the U.S. and this enabled then the first yeah electronic fund fund transfer system using technologies such as telegraph and Morse code. So, yeah. so this is unimaginable from a standpoint of today. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And then came fin- FinTech 2.0, and this is about the shift from analog to digital. Mm-hmm. This is the so-called yeah, second phase. It's introduced by the installation of the first ATM by Barclays in 1967. So cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and this marks the shift from analog to digital. And various significant trends followed in the early uh, 1970s, such as the establishment of the world's first digital stock exchange, the Nasdaq. Then during the 80s, we saw the rise of bank mainframe computers for data and, and also for bookkeeping. And the 90s brought us the internet and also some early stage e-commerce. Yeah, of course. It's funny, we, we talked in previous crypto podcasts very much about this term Web3, right? And your description right now sort of, it's not, of course, it's, not congregant, but it's interlinked. Yeah, interlinked. It's, it's, it's tightly interlinked. Yeah. Yes. And this is exactly now the third FinTech 3.0. This is about decentralization and Web3, as you mm. just mentioned. Um, and the the financial crisis soon escalated into the global economic crisis uh, with yeah also the public quickly developing a distrust of the traditional banking system yeah and then the white paper published by satoshi nakamoto in uh, 2008 reveals all the details of the bitcoin technology and this system is highly decentralized. It's a technology that is fully disclosed. And um, and also the invention of Bitcoin in 2008 spurred the creation of many new cryptocurrencies that are now commonly known as altcoins. Um, and yeah, as you just mentioned, we have a, a, another podcast solely on this uh, subject. Yeah. Additionally, then, FinTech 3.5, if you will say so, incorporates emerging markets. And um, yeah, those are the countries with the highest FinTech usage. It's, for example, China with 69% or India. So they are quite advanced when it comes to FinTech adoption and usage. Okay, thank you for that. I have a rough timeline together sort of now but um 
I wonder, and obviously this brings me closer to our current date, I wonder how the pandemic years, I so many things have shifted and they've obviously become so much more existing in the digital realm during the in times of lockdown and so on. And that's, I'm, I'm stating something very obvious here, but I'm imagining that there might have been some changes. Um, yeah, uh, that that time was a bit of a catalyst for changes, I guess is what I want to say. You're absolutely right. You're, you're, you, this is exactly um, now a period of transition, if you want to say so. So the impact of the pandemic as well as the resulting economic environment, they indicated um, a significant shift in the spending pattern, as mm -hmm. you just mentioned. Um, I, I mean, as well as the payments behavior. So you see a declining cash usage due to hygiene together with a migration from in-store to e-commerce due to lockdown restrictions. Uh, and also the closing of stores and the growing role of cybersecurity. However, um, yeah, they, they, these all these developments they all created new and other opportunities also for for payment players. Um, I I found an interesting study conducted by McKinsey that shows the global cash payments uh, declining sixteen percent in twenty twenty. Hmm. And I mean. Didn't you also see this in your own spending habit that you that you used less and less cash? I mean, I barely use cash. I I'm not kidding. I, I so rarely have cash in my in my purse. My wallet's getting smaller and smaller, <laughs> which I actually find <laughs> find quite nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, this is significant, and uh, it's it also shows. So the study, it also shows the cash usage by country comparing the years 2010 and 2020. And yeah, besides the declining numbers, as obvious, uh, one, um, one can also interpret from these figures that the global move away from cash has just started in emerging markets, such as India and Indonesia. Can you dive a bit deeper there, please, Martina? I'm, I'm quite curious about fintech and emerging markets. Um, yes, sure. I mean, the, the Asian Pacific region is quite significantly catching up uh, when it comes to fintech adoption. It has been the largest and also the, the, yeah, the fastest growing payments revenue region for the past yeah, at least several years. And this region is highly interesting as it is ranging from from fast-growing young economies such as India, such as China, but also to more mature markets such as Australia and Japan. And um, APEC as a whole is, is uh, also uh, where advanced fintech systems are becoming a crucial part of everyday life. Fintech also now in emerging markets is also about unbanked and underbanked services. This is, um, these are services that are seeking to low income individuals and helping them to reprice financial products. Mm -hmm. And this is also, yeah, when it comes to inclusion, financial inclusion, yeah. quite a, quite an interesting topic. And the World Bank estimated that 24% of the world's adult population are still unbanked. I mean, can you imagine this number? Yeah. 
um, so many financial institutions have still not invested in tech uh, or, or they offer very poor access, they are expensive. And this is where the fintech companies come into play and they play a crucial part here as they are finding innovative ways to offer uh, more reasonably priced products to emerging market customers uh, and taking a share from the incumbents. Okay, so let's let's talk about more maybe about the financial inclusion point. I, I find that quite interesting. So we talked about financial inclusion in emerging markets, but I wonder how about like the, the relationship to crypto? Because generally, you know, I think crypto has that maybe reputation or energy that I can sort of initiate a new era of financial inclusion and be very democratic. And it, it sort of, since it's decentralized, it has all of these these brave ideas attached to it. Um, can you talk about that a little bit in terms of financial inclusion? Sure. And yeah, you're absolutely right. And I mean, imagine the size, the growth and the adoption also of cryptocurrencies, of digital assets. They are already reshaping the whole fintech industry. And particularly in 2021, we noticed rapid developments in digital assets including, for example, the listing of Coinbase in April. Yeah. So, yeah, you see it already there. And this was not only driven by increasing user adoption, but also by institutional adoption, by companies, by governments, by regulators. And financial products and services are becoming fully digital. Yeah. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And moreover... Uh, they are increasingly embedded in software that consumers, businesses use on a daily basis. And services include custody, debt cards for account-linked spending, borrowing based on yeah, crypto asset balances and staking, uh, where fees are earned for pledging assets to validate non-Bitcoin transactions. The, the adoption of cryptocurrencies and at the same time the rise of Web3, as we just uh, discussed earlier, yeah. they seem to be a final piece of the puzzle towards a decentralized financial services, so-called DeFi um, services. Martina, now I again have a timeline in my head, right? And, and sort of 22, rising recession risks impacts that the financial industry is, is, is going through you know there's so many at the moment can you talk a bit more about um yeah fintech in that context uh, abso absolutely a pleasure um the rising risk of a recession just as you said has proven very challenging for much of the fintech market Obviously, also a lot will depend on volatility in stock markets concerning M&A activity, private funding, IPOs. But yeah, not only the performance of listed fintech companies, but also the funding of fin two fintech companies declined for the second quarter in a row in Q2 2020. And we see deal-making unicorn startups and M&A exits and also US financings on the decline. Some wonder how much further the sector will pull back. 
But within the fintech ecosystem, wealth tech companies saw an increase in deals in the second quarter. They were up 36% quarter over quarter. And uh, yeah, so not, not the whole fintech ecosystem is just heading towards one direction. That's what I want to say here. Yeah. And uh, the wealth tech is is um, this the concept covers you know any digital solutions that are designed to facilitate the processes of wealth management. Amazing, thank you, Martina. I think we covered that wide and far now, right? Or is there anything left to say? Well, there is so much more to say. I could fill a whole other episode. Maybe let's do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and yes, but but no final words here. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for being here today. And we thank you as always so much for listening. And we wish you as always a wonderful weekend and a pleasant and successful week ahead. Bye bye.